he goes and gets wings and throws them on the board. Now listen, man, this guy's breaking <laughs> barriers down. You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Leafs Lunch brought to you in part by 2for1pizza.com. Get a free medium one-topping pizza with $20 minimum purchase. Online orders only. Visit 2for1pizza.com and use coupon code FREEM. Okay, Julie Tasheri and Mike DiStefano with you on Leafs Lunch right now. We are going to have Shayna Goldman join us in the next couple of minutes. AB has a hot, spicy take about the Edmonton Oilers that he mm. wants to bestow upon us. Lots of fun to be had. Word Association Wednesday at the bottom of the clock. Uh, what a hump day, AB. What a day. It is. Uh, should we get into my Edmonton take? Lay it on me. So I probably should have looked this up as I was doing it. but I, Well, I looked it up yesterday, I think. So I, I do know that they are plus money. Um, I'm I'm heavy on the train that I think the Edmonton Oilers are going to win this division. I think they're going to win the Pacific Division. Like they are, this is a team that's on a roll right now. You got Jack Campbell who's playing really solid hockey. He's won his eighth straight game. You've got Connor McDavid who gets on the score sheet every single night. Again last night, you've got Zach Hyman playing at an an All Star level. Obviously Leon Drysital, and now you're hearing that they're involved in in talks to try and get themselves Jacob Chikrit. Yeah, and if they do that. I like this team. I like what they've been able to build there. Is Jacob Chikrin that guy for them? Why wouldn't he be? Well, don't they need, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm honestly asking you. Don't they need, like, a more... Aren't they looking for someone more like the Leafs are looking for? I mean, I think he's a good two-way guy, though. Like, he's not just... Maybe I he's, just He's not all flash. Like, yeah, maybe I... Because I don't watch Arizona Coyotes games, so yeah. I honestly think of Jacob Chikrin sometimes like he's in junior still. <laughs> I think he's no. He's, he to me, he's a guy who can play a two way game. Like yeah. he's not Jacob Slavin by any. Like stretch. I watched like, him play more Fox Sarnia and, games and, and than Arizona Coyotes games in my lifetime. Yeah, and that's that's completely completely fine. Um, I think that. Sorry, I just got. Uh, Did you get a ridiculous text? No, I, I thought. Read it. I thought Read Josh it loud, was sending like me I'm something, here. but he sent me something else. Uh, so when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers, though, like they're a team that I honestly believe that. They're going to go on a run here, right? Like, like, and also the Seattle Kraken. I, I, I just, I'm not a massive believer in them. So they're a team for me that certainly they're only a couple points out of the playoffs, out of the top spot in the Pacific. I think they also might have a game in hand, or they have the same amount of games played as Seattle. But they got uh, one game. Well, Seattle's one game in hand, but they're only one point back of the Kraken. Seattle okay. lost four nothing last night to New York. Wow. I yeah. didn't watch that one at all. That one was uh, Bo Horvat already making an impact. Oh, I did see the highlight of, of Bo Horvat's first goal. Yeah. But I think that you look at this division, and Edmonton's really starting to pick things up here. They're 8-1-1 their last 10 games. They won 8 of the last 10. And they're finally getting the gold setting that they expected to get out of Jack Campbell and, and Stuart Skinner. This feels like it happens every year with the Oilers. They go through an era where they're terrible, where we're all sitting here in Toronto like, eh, Edmonton's not going to make the playoffs. What a meme. And then they eventually find their way. Well, it's like last... I think it's actually very similar to last year. They I had know. awful December and January. They had like a 16-game stretch where... Like out of like, the playoffs. Not close to being out of the playoffs. they picked up like four of a possible 32 points at one point. There was like a stretch there from like December right. 15th to like February 2nd or something like that. Literally picked up Four of like thirty points or something like that. It was it was ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And uh, they fired their coach, and then things started to really 
change for them. Yeah. And I think they went through a similar situation this year, um, not as long, and they've kind of battled themselves out of it. And you asked me this earlier, and I'm going to ask you the question now. Which goaltending tandem do you feel more? Stop. This was my meaty question. I know, but I'm going to ask you this one. Do you feel better if you had what's going on in Edmonton or what's going on here in Toronto? So, so this was a question I asked AB as we were eating our morning Timbits today. (laughs) (laughs) Who would I rather have? And I very specifically uh, emphasize today, today, February eighth, twenty twenty three. Whose goaltending tandem would you take between the pipes? The Toronto Maple Leafs. Or the Edmonton Oilers in in Stuart Skinner and uh, Joseph Wall and I Jack guess Campbell. sorry because I'm starting to big brain this and think to myself wait is the Leafs goaltending tandem <laughs> is it Samsonov and Wall not <laughs> Murray's the, out of the out of the equation just now? because he's on the IR right now because I specified today um, no we'll we'll leave it with Murray in mind I, I think I think on this specific day it might be Edmonton's but. I have someone smarter than me on the phone right now who, who I'll use a celebrity helpline to. We've got Shayna Goldman right now, <laughs> NHL staff writer for The Athletic, co-host of the Too Many Men podcast. Shayna, how's it going? We're phoning a friend. It's going well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on with us. We're in the midst of a, a debate that's only meant to, to hurt our own feelings and in pondering whether on today's date we'd prefer to have Edmonton's goaltending tandem or the Toronto Maple Leafs goaltending tandem with Matt Murray uh, and Samsonov, and I know you wrote about Samsonov a little bit the other day, but, but where do you sit on, on that right now? Okay. Uh, it's a loaded question to bring you in one. on. All right. I'm, I'm actually going to go with the Leafs tandem. Um, are, we, are we counting cap hits, or are we just talking purely performance? Uh, probably performance. Okay. Jack Campbell would give me anxiety to have as a <laughs> goaltender. There, he seems like a very nice person, and I think it's wonderful for him that he got paid. But, like, from a management standpoint, that is a terrible contract. And then you look at the performance this season, and I know he's been better as of late, but so is the team in front of him. It, it's just, it's too hot or cold. It's really all over the place. It's tough to pick up patterns. Like, if you can look back at last year, his good start got completely wiped out and then just dragged through the mud because he was so bad after that. But I would not want that on my team any day of the week. And Stuart Skinner has been great. But I don't know. I, I feel like... Matt, we know what Matt Murray can do if he's healthy and if he's like on his game. So there's that potential there. And we've seen what he's done in the playoffs and things like that. So, you know, those odds are okay. And Sam Snow has been really good. Like he's legitimately played well. So that's the goalie I'm like gravitating towards of all four. So that's the tandem going to pick that he's in. Yeah, that's probably just the smart call to make on TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, I would say. <laughs> you, you definitely know your audience at the very least. But honestly, I, I think I might I might lean that way also because I think of the four, Samsonov is probably playing the best hockey this season. And you wrote about this uh, in The Athletic, the, uh, was it yesterday, day before perhaps, talking about the, the RFAs who are poised to get paid this summer. And you had our guy, Ilya Samsonov, on that list. Uh, what do you think his value would be this upcoming offseason? And do you see the least being able to to bring him back would they prioritize bringing back Samsonov if if he can continue to do what he's done this year so I think the thing is for him anything is kind of a raise at this point because he's not making much this season and rightfully so you know his play didn't earn it after you know his time with Capitals and there's still a caution that I think has to be taken with him because you know it's one season and if you look at his full body work there's a little bit more chaos involved there 
the good thing is that Toronto is a very strong team in front of the net that, you know, they're such a strong possession team, they don't force their goaltenders to face a ton, so that's something they can feel pretty confident in. If I'm a team, do I long-term commit to him? Absolutely not. You know, and with Maple Leafs' current situation, you look at how they have to maximize the next couple of years so much, so it's you definitely don't want to, like, handcuff yourself into anything. But I think that you could go pretty safely into a two-year contract with him and maybe try to get to that 3 to $5 million range. But even five, I think, might be a little bit high for someone who, at his best, is a 1A. I don't think he's a true starter. I don't think he's up at that level. So if they go three, five, four, something like that, like, that might be a sweet spot for, like, a year or two because you give yourself flexibility for a very strong backup or, you know, 1B goaltender, and you still have Murray. So those are the considerations that I would go with. And obviously a player might want more security than that, but I just don't think uh, he's earned it in this for this team, for this situation, for his whole career. Like, it's just not there for me anything longer than that. Right. I, I actually don't know. What was your take on uh, this tandem that Kyle Dubas put together back in, on free agency, and, and how has it changed over the course of, of the first bit of the season here? If it has so, it all, I, I guess. I hate it. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't hate it day one. You know, it's a risk. It's the biggest risk that they have is their goaltending, and they're a team that, you know, they're saying we're so good in front of the. You know, we can outpossess our opponents, and we can finish our chances, and we have all this talent. That goaltending is kind of like the last piece, and we've seen it with other teams. Like you look to the Colorado Avalanche specifically in the playoffs, and super small sample, only so much we can take from that. But if you can be a dominant team in front of the goals you can get away with average goaltending. You can even maybe get away with below, you know, slightly below average goaltending, which they were getting for much of the playoffs. Obviously, it took great goaltending to help get them there. So, I mean, it didn't concern me as much because, again, it's knowing Matt Murray's strengths and what he can be, but the injury history, that's, that's the concern. So having someone that's capable to pick up the slack if needed is so important. That's what they got, you know, in – Samsonov, but is it the perfect goaltending tandem? Absolutely not, but it makes sense that like you can go a little riskier there if you're so confident about the team elsewhere. In conversation with Shana Goldman, uh, NHL writer for The Athletic and co-host of the Too Many Men podcast, uh, what do you think is maybe the biggest question that the Maple Leafs still need to answer between now and the NHL trade deadline? Uh, I mean, they have the biggest question is going to be what are they going to do in the playoffs? Like, the regular season only matters so much to them. Like, they're pretty much lost into their playoff matchup. So it's how between now and then are they going to properly prepare themselves to take on most likely the Tampa Bay Lightning? And how are they going to, you know, not just focus on the one matchup, but, but the playoffs as, as a whole? The goal is going to be a long playoff run. So if I'm in their position, it's how do we finish our chances more consistently? That's what I think is holding the team back. You know, the goaltending – is fine enough. The offensive generation and shot suppression at five on five is fine. You know, the power play and the penalty kill, there's enough that's fine. It's how do you ensure that you can finish your chances a little bit more? What can you do to put this team in a better position to do that? So I'm curious if there's anybody internally, I guess maybe the easy answer would be Austin Matthews, but is there anybody else you think can um, help with that internally on the, on the Leafs? Yeah, I mean, you know, they have finishing talent throughout the lineup. You have John Ferris, who's shooting the puck more this season, getting to the quality areas, and playing with Mitch Marner's really helped them with that because you have, you know, this elite passer and two-way presence that can put him in a position to succeed. And obviously there were, like, individual improvements from Tavares, so 
that helps. You have Nylander who's kicked his game up a notch, but it's it's getting that scoring lower in the lineup. And, you know, I think the lineup now kind of shows if there's any injuries, the whole makeup of the team is going to change if anyone is out from the top six. So it's getting that. Uh, I think they need an outside presence to help them, especially on, like, the third line, get a little bit more scoring. And then they have a little bit more security if anything happens to anyone on the top six. So interesting. The Leafs have come, like, full circle. They used to score six goals a game, and (laughs) that's how they would win, and now they need to score more. Uh, We're with Shana Goldman right now. Let's go around the division a bit. You and Dom wrote about the Dylan Cousins signing yesterday. You rated it, or you graded it, rather, in A. What got you guys to that that letter? Uh, Dylan Cousins is a really good player, and, you know, I I like the bets teams are taking, paying these players right after their entry-level contracts or sooner into their careers. It's totally different when you're committing to, say, a 22-year-old for seven years versus 27-year-old. Because yeah. if things don't work out, you could probably move the contract. You're probably not as paying up to it as you would be otherwise. And, you know, he's a really good player. He obviously doesn't have the longest track record at the NHL level, but there's all the draft pedigree that they knew about him, and now they're seeing it at the NHL level. And what's so impressive with Cousins specifically is that at 5 on 5 he's generally not on that top line with Tage Thompson and Jeff Skinner and Alex Tuck that would put him in the best position to succeed. He's played with guys like Jack Quinn and J.J. Paterka, who were both good, but he's the driver of that line. So I think individually him standing out so much at five on five could give confidence into a bet like that. So I'm a fan of the contract and overall this trend around the league. So I need to give you so much credit because you're smarter than most of the people on this planet when it comes to predicting what happens in the National Hockey League because not a lot of people were high in the Boston Bruins at the start of the season, but you pick them to win the whole damn thing when there were some who thought no, maybe no. I, I didn't not to win the whole thing to lose in the Stanley Cup final lose oh. lose in the Stanley Cup but make it to the Stanley Cup final like I mean have they even exceeded your expectations though because I obviously they far and exceeded what I thought they were going to do but as someone who at the beginning of the year said yes yeah, team could make it to the cup final despite all those injuries and adversity that they had to face I mean how much more impressive have their season even been than you imagined it would be yeah, I thought they were going to be good, and I thought it was just a matter of them making the playoffs. It didn't matter where they slotted. It's just get in and see what can happen. And you look at what we expected to happen, and that's probably a weaker team to start the season with some tweaks from coaching to see how they can better maximize players. You expected players like Jake DeBrus to step up, maybe not to this extent, so quickly. Um, and it was kind of like navigating the waters without some of their best, without Marchand, without... Uh, McAvoy for a time, but, you know, considering the impacts of what Bergeron can still do on his own and what Pashnoff could do on his own and what the return of David Krejci would mean and having good goaltenders and then having Hampus Lindholm, who we saw thrive after the trade deadline when he's in a different environment. So all of that still looks like a good team to me. Maybe not to the extent that we saw, though, before the players started returning from injury. So I really thought they'd be a team that they'd be fine and they'd still manage without their top players, but... Once they got everyone back, they would start thriving, you know, be in the playoff mix, maybe in like the third spot or a top wild card seat, and then just blow through the playoffs because they have players who are rested, ready to go, and, you know, had enough time to figure out how everything works under their new coaching staff. They are better than I expected, though, because they were crushing it without players in their lineup, and then they got even better. Like, they are the best team in the league right now without question. Yeah. What's yours the most intriguing part about the most intriguing storyline, rather, in the Atlantic division right now? Is it the battle happening between Tampa and the Leafs for 
home ice? Is it what you were just talking about and what the Boston Bruins are doing? Is it the way that Florida's fallen off this year? Is it the way that Buffalo seems to be making a push for it uh, down the stretch here? What stands out to you? It's definitely the race for that wild card seed between Buffalo and Florida because I thought Florida would be worse, especially once they lost Weaver. You take a weak blue line and you make it even weaker. And I know he's had, you know, mistakes in the playoffs that are super glaring, and that's what we think of because we're all so biased that, like, we think of those standout plays, but, like, he's a legitimately good defender. Um, And I thought they were going to hurt from not having him, but, you know, and some of the forward depth that they lost. All of that, I thought, was going to culminate to a team that's worse than last year's team, but not to this extent. Uh, Coaching has had a way worse impact than I thought it would. I didn't like the coaching choice then. I still don't like it. Um, I'm surprised how an Ekblad game has changed without Uyghur. We really, you know, we've seen Uyghur without Ekblad when Ekblad was hurt, but we haven't seen Ekblad without Uyghur that much in recent years. And it's a huge change. So how poorly they're performing is the one half, and the other half is how well Buffalo is playing because they're so ahead of schedule. And they're actually, like, adding some spice to this playoff run. And even if they don't make it, it's a really good chance for them. And we see the growth of players. We see breakout performances. We see players like Tage Thompson building on what we've been seeing last year in Darlene, too. And we see a really strong impact from coaching. So it's so opposite of what Florida has going on. Well, I, another positive storyline, and I guess something that's been a big surprise this year, is uh, Eric Carlson and his resurgence. He had a three-point night last night sitting on my bench in fantasy, I might add. No. Very upsetting about that. <laughs> but uh, that's a conversation for another time. Uh, but yeah, three points against uh, Tampa Bay. I think he's up to like 69, 70 points or something like that. He leads all of the NHL in points at five-on-five. Five. Um, you know, Eric Carlson, are, are you a believer that this guy is, is back to being what he was? Like, do you think that there's a team that would, that would be willing to roll the dice and trade for Eric Carlson at some point here in the next calendar year? Yes, and I think a team should be. The thing with Eric Carlson is, like, traditional aging curves are going to tell us that players decline. They start declining into their 30s, and it gets more drastic as they age, and injuries can wear them down, types of play, you know, all of that can can wear down a player sooner. If you're a net front player, you're probably going to age, you know, worse than someone who doesn't have a lot of contact in their game. Elite players still follow that same trajectory, but where they start is so different from where they fall that their fall might be above average still because they had, you know, way more room to drop off versus the average player who goes from being average to terrible. Um, so for Eric Carlson, I think we're seeing the impact of the injuries that he's suffered over the last few years. And, you know, leg injuries have really worn on his game. There was the ankle, the groin, the repeating issues there. That it seems like the fact that he had a true off season to really just not rehab from an injury but train in a traditional way has been really strong and really helped his game. And that's why I think a big reason why he's, you know, rebounded so much because the skills don't just disappear. And this is a player who, yes, is going to decline, but, like, Look at where that decline might be. It's still going to be above average. This is stronger than that. But, you know, the last couple of years, he has a lot to make up for. And I, I just think that the fact that he's doing it, not to start the season, but consistently doing it, it's so impressive. And the fact that he's doing it on a team that's so bad, it's even more impressive. This isn't him being pumped up by anyone else. And I'm sure it helps, too, that, you know, he's not splitting those minutes with Brent Burns, like on the power player in offensive situations. He's the player that's going to get him, and he's going to run with that opportunity, and it looks like he has. Uh, in conversation with Shana Goldman of The Athletic, 
Uh, I'm curious, what's a team around the National Hockey League that you think will have a nice rebound, I guess, from a tough first uh, half of the season that'll have a good, uh, you know, good record down the stretch and really put themselves in a prime position to compete in the playoffs? And then if what goes up must come down on the other side, who's a team that you think maybe falls out of it a little bit down the stretch? Uh, that's a good question. So Ottawa, maybe we could use as an example for a team that might rebound because their beginning was so tough. But I think at the end of the day, like unless they add someone on defense, that ceiling's only so high. So I'm going to go with Colorado. Maybe it's cheating a little, but they had a ton of injuries to start the year, and I don't think we've seen them at full strength yet. And that hurts them because they can't assess positions that I think they were hoping they'd get to in the first half, like second-line center. Can they get away with someone like Evan Rodriguez or Alex Newhook with Nachushkin and Gabriel Landeskog, you know, on that player's wings, and they haven't gotten a chance for that. So I think that hurt them a lot. Um, but it does feel like things are starting to trend in the right direction for them, and I think they're the team to watch, to not just be a wildcard team, but to really, like, make some noise in the Central Division and start pushing teams like Minnesota, who I think they're stronger than, and, you know, challenge Winnipeg a bit, who we saw take a little slide recently. I think Winnipeg's going to be fine, but I think Colorado could kind of challenge for where they are in the standing. So that's a team for me to rebound. Um, the team to regress is probably Vegas. Uh, this team is not as strong without Mark Stone. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they're very good. Had a great start to the year. We're seeing some positive changes from coaching. We've seen some positive changes in the power play. But, like, at the end of the day, this is one of the weakest rosters that they've put out since the first season because they've had to move so many players out because of the cap, you know, moves they've made this whole time. So, that's going to hurt them, and now you're without your best player. You know, a two-way player, we see the differences in Jack Eichel's game specifically when Stone is or isn't in the lineup. So they're a team I could see sliding a bit. Still could make the playoffs, and we'll see if they can pull any moves out, if they have any assets left to do that at the deadline. But, you know, no matter what, you lose your best player, you're going to hurt. Yeah, where are you at with the Oilers right now? We were just talking about them before we brought you in. Al's brother gave a bold pre- prediction that he thinks not that they can. Bold, but well, it's not that bold, <laughs> but that they can maybe win the Pacific. Where are you at with them? Was was Evander Kane like that much of a difference maker? What, what's looked different to them uh, about them to you rather in in this stretch that they've heated up? So I think that they're going to be a team to watch in the playoffs because we've seen what they can do when literally Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl oh, yeah. are the only players doing anything. Forty <laughs> percent um, of a Leon Draisaitl, I might add. Crazy. Like, yeah, exactly. They can will their team so far, um, but I think it stops at a certain point. Uh, Zach Hyman, I think, has been like the key to a lot of this. I think he's really picked it up this year because this is a player that you know, if you look at the calendar year 2022 has uh, one of the most, like, amount of backhands above expected, but his forehand with his wrist and snapshot, like, he legitimately couldn't finish his chances. I think he's, like, 14 goals behind where he should have been before we even account for shooting talent that we know he has. And it just seems like it's really clicking for him, and playing with McDavid's been huge. You know, he's a good two-way player. Are they good enough to win the division? Um, They're lucky it's not the toughest of divisions. You know, Calgary doesn't worry me. Vegas, again, the injuries. L.A. has goaltending issues, so I think that's all going to help Edmonton. The team I'm still watching is Seattle, and we've seen Edmonton beat Seattle in, you know, head-to-head matchups this season, too. And, you know, we've seen some games that are really tough, and Seattle's goaltending would give me concern against McDavid and Dreisaitl in a seven-game series. But I want to see what Seattle does at the deadline first because that's a team that has the assets to, to make an impact. I don't think they go fully on the right now. I think they can make, like, a move that helps them long term. 
long term. So if they do add any offensive weapon to give them the star power they're missing, I think they're the biggest problem for the Oilers. But if not, maybe they could win their division. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, Seattle's uh, a weird – like, they're, they're another team that's really – you know, they've exceeded all expectations. I think, like, Seattle's one of those teams. Boston, for us, not Shanna. Who, <laughs> I don't know how she figured that was going to happen. <laughs> but, like, Seattle, for me, is one of those teams that I, I certainly never expected them to even be in the playoff race, let alone leading the division at the All-Star game. Like, they, their season's been impressive. Yeah. Um, they were a team, I think my prediction for them was to be, like, a Western Conference disruptor that just missed the playoffs, was in the mix the whole time, and just took away points from their opponents because I liked how they addressed the offseason. Like, if you look at last year's team, they were elite defensively. If any quality chance got through, the goaltenders will have a goal. And mm-hmm. that, that's, you know, it's crushing and a game can spiral from there. And they didn't have the goal support, but they changed that. You have another year of Matty Beniers progressing. You add in Burakovsky, who's a good volume shooter, that's a good finisher. You add in a player like Bjorkstrand, and who's similar to that. You know, you make necessary changes. You have players like Yanni Gord playing third line minutes, you know, third line minutes right now while he could move up too. So I like how they adjust it. I like how they work as a unit. I like that they're greater than the sum of their parts. And it's really interesting because we're seeing like the value of having depth scoring. If your fourth line can put in goals and all of your defensive pairs can, and you know, like that works for them. Goaltending might still be a concern though, which is why I think they need just a bit more goal support, just a bit more star power at the top of their lineup to really make it work down the stretch with the teams they have, you know, assembled. But I like it because I think they're going to force us to think about the game a little differently from the star power of Edmonton and the star power of Colorado that we know you need to win. Yeah. You know, can you do it with this much balance? Can it work? Like, I just find it really intriguing. Yeah, no, absolutely. They're just a really well-balanced team. and That's the way to put it. they got depth and they're balanced. And we'll see if Martin Jones can uh, can lead this team. He's done pretty good so far. Yeah. But there's still a lot of hockey to be played. And the playoffs are a different animal. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today, Shana. Hopefully we can chat again real soon. Thanks for having me. There she goes. Shana Goldman, NHL staff writer for The Athletic and the co-host of the Too Many Men podcast. So good. Her writing's so great all the time. Yeah, Check her out at the athletic. She's oh, really absolutely. Good pieces. Um, you believe the season that Martin, like Martin Jones actually like he that's an underrated story that is not being talked about, I don't think. Is how good a season that guy's actually having. Yeah, it's hard with Eric Carlson doing what he's doing for anyone else to to have even be talked about as having a good resurgence, but he really is. Like I'm I'm just poking around right now. Well, I remember so his was, save percentage is lower than I thought it was. He went through like stretches. Yeah, I guess he went through stretches where it was like, oh, okay, he's playing pretty well. And then there was stretches where it's like, oh, okay, maybe maybe not so much. Maybe but not. Yeah, as of late actually he's kind of fallen off a little bit. But I remember looking at his numbers like a month ago and being like, huh. Yeah. yeah uh, it says so I visited well. this page in the last month, so you definitely told me to look <laughs> it up. <laughs> well, I didn't expect Marty Jones also to be playing thirty six games this year. No. And he's twenty three, eight and three with uh three shutouts. So he's doing something right. That's for sure. And they paid Phil Grubauer like a boatload of money, apparently, to be the backup. Yeah. So that's gotta that's gotta be tough. It's gotta be tough. But she mentioned Vegas, and that's an interesting one. Cause yeah, we got that news last week that Mark Stone's gonna be out. They started uh, the year so the hot the year. too. What has Jack Eichel done this Honestly, year? Honestly, not much. I don't think like that. That name doesn't pop up, and he was like a sneaky MVP type of guy. He was like, hey man, this guy. He could be in the heart conversation, and I don't think he's really done a whole lot this year. 
Like maybe hovering around like a point per game, perhaps. Not quite, Vegas. but almost. Almost, yeah. but like for him, he maybe the be... lady bang only four pims. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there it is. Jack Eichel, ten million dollar man, lady, lady bang, bang. Uh, thirty four points in thirty nine games, fifteen yeah. goals. I think he was injured too at at some point yeah. there, so he's missed some time. Yeah, that Vegas squad. We'll see what they end up doing. That that's a big loss for them. Yep. Mark Stone's a big big loss. All right, on the other side. I'm going to play some Word Association sweet, Wednesday. Sweet. Excited for it. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano with Juliet Sherry. You'll listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Bad news has done it again. Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Wednesday? Wednesday? Mm. What? What Wednesday? Time for Word Association Wednesday on Leafs Lunch. One word, full of meaning. What is that word? Word. Okay, it's Wednesday, A.B. Time for some Word Association Wednesday. We bring in Josh for this one? I'm here, guys. Hello, Josh. Hello, Welcome hello. to the party. Thank you very much. Happy hump day to you guys. Yes. Word Association Wednesday here. Yeah. All right, Josh. So we've tasked you. You're going to lead lead us here, all right? Okay. So the Take way the wheel. The, well, the way that this works for those who are new to the program is Josh is going to mention a, a, a word, a player, a phrase, a statement, whatever it may be. Maybe he's got a, a different thing going on today. But essentially, we have one word that we have to associate with that statement and describe and, and why we have chosen that yeah. word. So that's basically how the game works. Yeah, so Maple Leafs 52 games played, uh, entering the unofficial second half of the season on Friday against the Columbus Blue Jackets in that back-to-back. And I thought for today's Word Association Wednesday, we can describe Maple Leafs players by one word. So I'll go down the list. I'll either throw you some of the top players, some of the depth players, some of the goaltenders. So we're describing the first half of the year, like up to the All-Star break. Absolutely, you got okay. it. Okay, Mitch Marner. What's one word to describe Marner's year? Leading the team in points... On pace for 97 points, broke the franchise record of 23 consecutive games with the point, 48th in expected goals against, excellent on the defensive end this year. How would you describe Marner in one word? It's hard not to say magic Mitch. It's hard not to Magical. say magic. Yeah? Yeah. That's your word? I that's, like it. That's his energy out there. And there's some magic happening for, for Mitchell Marner this season. He seems to have really perfected uh, the balance between shooting and passing. He's not an auto-pass anymore, and, and goalies are, are yeah. forced to respect his shot, which I think is has been valuable, obviously, for him, but all, for the team, not just expecting that, that shot to come from Austin Matthews. I think it's magic, and he's always doing something crafty out there. I always think magic Mitch, so that's my word for, for Mitchie Marnes. I like it. I like it. I, can I use, I'm going to use a word that he likes to use. I think he'd be happy for me to call nice. it Juicy. It's been a juicy season for Mitch Marner. Yes, it has. I think he's like he, he clearly went to the All Star game, and he was well deserved to be in the All Star game. I mean, the, the amount that we talked about, Willie should have been there. Mitch also should have been there. It's not that he didn't deserve to go, but you know, he's he really is kind of the heartbeat of this team. We've talked about this before. Like, like when that guy's going, typically the Leafs are in a, in a good spot. Like they're they're in a good shape, and and he's you know he's scoring. He's you know very energetic out there on the ice. He's happy. He's good with the media. Um, he's very much a heartbeat of this team. Uh, so I think that Mitch Marner 
plays a solid two-way game. Juicy is the word that I'm going to use. Nice, nice. That's, that's what that's he would Marner want. approved. That's what he would want, right? Yeah. That's, that's what he would want, I think. That's a perfect representation of Marner's year. Juicy and magical. Gotta yes. love it. <laughs> Let's go to the goaltending side. Ilya Samsonov, 17-6-2, 2.42 goals against average, 9-1-7 save percentage, and that guy has been working a lot lately with mm-hmm. uh, Matt Murray going down with another injury this year. Samsonov's had to pick up the pace. So, one word to describe Samsonov's year for the Maple Leafs. First off. I'm going to go in a different direction here. Okay. Different direction. I'm going to go with the word befuddled. That's my word. I know it you is. You sicko? I know it is. And that's why I <laughs> took it. I totally took your word. What's befuddling you about Sammy? What's befuddling me about Samsonov is his home and away splits. That is befuddling. That is what is befuddling to me. Like, how can a guy be so good on home ice and then not be great when he's not? Like, here, here's a split, home road splits, okay? So he's played 18 games at home this season. He's 15-2-1 with a 9.24 save percentage and a 207 goals against. In 18 games, like that's a that's a decent sample size, right? 18 games against a, 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 a plethora of different opponents, and they've all pretty much come up golden, except yeah. for that Sens game he played a couple of days ago, uh, and he wasn't even supposed to start in that game. That was the first time that he lost in regulation in uh, at Scotiabank Arena. Um, but they look at his road splits, and he's two four and one, an eight eighty nine save percentage, and a three twenty nine goals against. I'm befuddled at how. Big of a discrepancy there is between his home and road starts. I just, I don't quite understand it. Yeah. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm pondering. I have a gosh darn th- thesaurus open on my computer right now. Thesaurus. <laughs> I've never written anything without a thesaurus. I've always got a thesaurus open on my nice. computer. And in fact, I, like, even during the show, sometimes I have a thesaurus open. But anyways, <laughs> now that I've outed myself, I'm going to go with winding what? Winding? It's been a winding road for Ilya Samsonov. Okay. There's been some great games. There's been some not-so-great games. There's been moments where he's been the hero and has had to step in for Matt Murray. There's been times where Matt Murray's looked a lot better. And maybe that's more of a... Maybe winding is a better word for the goaltending tandem as a duo because they've they've uh, both had great moments. Like, it's just been winding. It's been back and forth. And some days I come into this office and I sit at this mic and I think, gosh darn, they've got two good goaltenders. Then some days I sit at this office on this mic and I think, gosh darn, they're both injured. It's been it's been a it's been a winding road, AB. So the question that I have for you, my follow up is, mm. what word did you put into your thesaurus to find winding? I, I didn't actually end up getting to winding. I started at winding, and then I was trying to look at things to improve. I put up and down into my thesaurus, and it gave me a, a bunch of options, but none of them seemed right. I mean, and then incons- I got to inconsistent would probably but inconsistent be, felt more like an it's indi- a negative. Term. Yeah, it felt like yeah. it had a bit of an indictment association with. It. I didn't want it to feel like it, it was more negative than positive because ultimately it's kind of been a split to me. Yeah, I think there's been more positive than You're negative, right, you're right. But. So that's why I didn't want to go inconsistent, because it felt like that was kind of a jab, and I don't want it to be a jab, but also I, I'm not totally sold either way yet. So it's been a winding road. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, Josh, what's next? Let's move on. 25 goals, 28 assists. He's only missed five games this season, and that is Austin Matthews. What is one word to describe Matthews' season? Ugh. See, I'm, I'm conflicted here. I so am I. I'm going to use the word conflicted. I'm conflicted. That's the word that comes to my mind, conflicted. Because 
The production has been underwhelming for Austin Matthews, right? Coming off a season where he had 60 goals, set all these records, and we come into the year thinking that he's just going to do it again because last year seemed so perfect, so effortless. He was just better than anybody else when he was out there on the ice pretty much in every single game, and we expected the same thing to happen. Well, it hasn't quite been that way. And it's not that he's played poorly, which is why I'm conflicted. The, the, the underlying numbers look good. The eye test looks good. The finish just hasn't been there. There's been, there's been a lot of flash, but the finish just hasn't been there. He's been just a little bit off on a shot. He's hit a lot of posts. He's gone wide. He's getting into those scoring areas. He's generating a lot of good opportunities. He's back-checking. He's um, you know, playing well defensively. He's been a little bit more physical this season. So I, I think I'm conflicted because the stats themselves don't look as pretty as I would wanted them to be. and it's, no. it's, it's been underwhelming. But the overall game... I have liked just as much as maybe it did a season ago. So I'm like somewhat conflicted. Is that true? What? You mean it in your heart. That uh, I think he's playing just as well this year they did a year ago? I mean, semantically, like maybe 97% of the way there. Okay. Uh, I think mine is going to be, it's a word that I've heard Mike Johnson use about Austin Matthews season, so I'm going to steal it off our buddy MJ. Mm -hmm. It's Anomaly. I think this season is a little bit of an anomaly for Austin Matthews. He was on pace to score 50 the year of the COVID shutdown. He was yep. on pace to score 50 the year of the bubble. He scored 60 last year, and this year he's missed a couple games with injury, which we've talked about at nauseum. He's clearly been a little bit banged up, but he's still getting things done out there on the defensive end of things. Do I think he's going to be a 30 do I think he's going to be a 40-goal scorer, 30-goal scorer, 20-goal scorer from now on? Like, no. I think he's continue, He's going to next year yes. maybe get back on, <laughs> on the pace. So this year to me feels like an anom- anomaly. This year feels like an outlier to me in terms of his offensive production specifically. Yeah, and, and like the numbers would point to that just because I think he's expected to score a little more. And he's just been a little off this season. Yeah. You could point to the injury maybe for for that. I'd love to get a real, like, when the season ends, when it's all over, like, yeah. give us, can can somebody just write me? I'd love to get a behind-the-scenes just kind of story of, yeah. okay, when this was happening, can you tell me the truth now about what was going on here? Typically they do. Like, you'll you'll hear a lot. Oh, they come out. The yeah, he was shot of- for, uh, after the playoffs, it was like he took two bullets to the chest and wow. still played in game six. <laughs> it was like he had a broken arm. And afterwards, I'm like, is it, this even safe? Like, <laughs> I remember, crazy. who was it? Was it? It may have been Couturier who played with like a, a a torn ACL or something like that through the playoffs. Oh my god! Or torn groin and played through the first round or something like that, and it came out afterward that he had played with that. And you always hear about all these bumps and bruises that go on with players that you don't even know about. Like it's insane. So yeah, I, we'll, we'll probably figure out exactly, maybe not exactly what the situation was, but he'll probably let us know. Like yeah, there, I was dealing with stuff all season, which probably contributed to. A lack of uh, a lack of success. All right, we got time for one more, I believe. Quickly, we'll go one more, and we have to give credit to William Nylander. What a year he has had! Fifty-nine points on the year, searching for those career highs. He's on pace for them. What would you describe William Nylander's season in the first half? Because it's been pretty miraculous. Mm, this one is more describing William Nylander now versus versus the William Nylander of old. The word, the first word that popped into my head was adult. 
Oh. We are seeing adult William Nylander, uh, I think, come into the peak of his hockey career and and just maybe starting to understand himself more, not just as a player, but as a person. Like, there's a maturity in his game. There, there's a maturity in his interviews. There's, there's maturity in the accountability that you're seeing from him uh, on and off the ice. And I, I think he's even been a little bit better and uh, in depth with his answers in the media this year. We've seen him improve defensively, so I think we're seeing an adult William Nylander right now. I like that. I like that, actually. Um, mm, I don't not being go, an adult. I don't Adulting go with, is not very fun. No, but I like, I like yeah. your, your reason for that answer. Like, I never would have come up with that with that word, so I think that was that was really good. Like I, I was like maturation, which is very similar yeah. to like a Evolution thing. of uh, maturation. Yeah, evolution <laughs> of maturity is exactly what uh, this team's gone through. For, for William Nylander, I think I'm just going to go with the word that we have used to describe his game a lot this year, that's consistent. Like, he's yeah. just been seriously consistent for this team. And, and maybe the one player who we haven't seen go on a big dry spell at all this season. Like, it seems like this guy, every couple, like, maybe he'll have, like, a game or two who will go quiet, and then he'll score a couple of goals. And then yeah. he kind of gets back to the back to being the will that uh, we've come to know and love. And, you know, defensively is also the, the big impact. His consistent consistently playing defensively below the dots and you know he's he's in good support of his defensemen and it's allowing for this team to break out and it's allowing for them to go in and get those good opportunities that he scored um so i think just an overall consistency to his game this year has improved to the levels that we haven't quite seen of him before so i think consistency is probably uh the the word to use there all right good stuff Appreciate it, Josh. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we always love a good word association Wednesday. Uh, before we take a break, though, the time is now. The pro line between the benches seats are as close to the action as you can get. You'll smell the sweat of the players, hear the rattling of the glass with each hit, and celebrate every goal shoulder to shoulder with our hometown team. Here's your chance to qualify for tickets next week to see the Leafs and Blackhawks. Uh, we are going to open up the phone lines now, 416-870-1050. The first caller through. First caller through will have a chance to qualify for these tickets. We'll be giving them away on Friday. So good luck. Phone lines are open. On the other side, you said there was a text in there you wanted to, to tell me. Okay, we got a listener text. She's going to divulge it on the other side. So that's coming up next. I'm Mike DeStefano with Julia Teixeira. You're Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Well, it's a big show. Leafs Lunch brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion. And congratulations to Matt from Whitby. You're in the grand prize draw this Friday where you could win the pro line between the benches seats for February 15th when the Leafs take on the Blackhawks. Pro line merch, a $75 food and beverage gift card for Scotiabank Arena and two $50 OLG lottery gift cards what am i listening to right now this is the intro yeah, music it, no need to make it any louder to really. the big show happy birthday to the big show wrestling legend 51 years young Ooh. mr paul white congratulations congratulations on your age <laughs> your age congratulations for being 51 nice 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 okay so we got a text a little bit earlier when we were talking about the whole uh 
the whole hockey basketball debate and the whole yeah. LeBron thing last night. And, and we got a text from Mark in Burlington that inspired a different thought. Okay. Imagine if every sport was like hockey. That would be awesome. Tennis, golf, chess, bowling. I would love to see guys drop the tennis racket and start throwing haymakers. A golfer's <laughs> tune up a guy in the bunker for chirping. What sport? So, well, well, somewhere around the nation, someone is discussing removing removing fighting from hockey what sport would be improved with fighting oh my god <laughs> where you just like make just make fighting legal like in in the sport well what what sport would be improved with the occasional tilt i don't i, I mean like do you want my do you want my pg answer or do you want like my barbaric why answer? would i ever want your pg because the barbaric answer is Probably all of them would be yeah. like the entertainment value would be much improved if you added fighting to every single sport out there. But uh, in terms of, I guess, if you want to go the more PG route or the more safety route, it's I not, it's call not it. safety, but it's like which one specifically would be like, oh my god, they're dropping the rackets, they're dropping the clubs, they're like it's time. Golf would be hilarious. Golf would be incredible. Yeah. Would you imagine if like some dude, I don't know, like if you. I'm like, where would you do it in golf? Like, there's not enough animosity, though. Like, if somebody, what, outdrove you, you got pissed off, so you slugged them? Like, All that the would chirping be... last year with the... Who was the feud last with him? Like... Uh, there's always a feud in golf. No, I mean, but last Patrick year it was Reed. so... Oh, the, the Bryson and yes. Brooks Kepka. Yes, yes. Yeah, like, if those dudes just and randomly threw, threw down... they threw down, I'm thinking of, like... That's I... more, like, off-the-field off type of stuff, though, right? Like, off-the-course type of things. I don't know. I, I, I now I'm thinking like golf would be funny if they if they fought, but like I don't think it would make sense. Like imagine a tennis to match, two guys, two girls looking at one another, and they throw the rackets down and just start beelining towards the net at one another. Honestly, baseball. Like I, I, baseball when bench is clear, like when someone best throws thing a pitch, ever. It is great. Like I wish that you could. If you if someone beans you purposely, not if it's on on not if it's by mistake, but someone like beans you purposely, I think you should be able to to go and get your you know, your your little flesh of skin, potentially. Yeah. I'm trying to think of something else. Figure skating, known to be a violent sport. Why would you <laughs> want to fight in figure skating? I what don't know. What are you know. talking about? Why did that whole Tonya Harding thing happen? It's a crazy sport. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I don't, figure skating is not one that I would have uh, came to mind. Soccer, there, baseball. But... Remember soccer, baseball, how vicious it used to get? On oh, the schoolyard? Like, like, I think oh, yeah. I had a couple soccer baseball fights now that I'm really pondering it. Yeah, there was. There was definitely some soccer baseball fights. But I don't know. Like, I, ultimately, when it comes to hockey, I think eventually it will probably get to a point where it is uh, in, like, the, the OHL and in, um, in international hockey where, like, if you fight, it's probably going to result in a suspension. Yeah. Like, to be honest, it probably should already. Like I'm surprised that it hasn't it hasn't gotten to that point. At least the rest of the game. Like if you fight in in football or if you fight like it's you're out for the game. Like that that's what I'm surprised that the NHL hasn't gotten that far. Maybe a suspension could be a little bit too far, but at least you know you're done for the night. And, and that way, if you really want to fight somebody, there's a consequence there, and maybe that would deter fighting. Which ultimately, I think most people like we we like it. It's entertaining. But how many people actually want it in the game? I, I don't know. It's it's a tough it's a tough conversation to have because it's entertaining at the same time. You know, it's not safe. It's very dangerous to just be brawling on ice. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm such an old like croquet. <laughs> yeah, I'm having a tortellini moment here. 
NASCAR. I love when NASCAR. Oh, when NASCAR they, fights are the best. When they get out of it and they just start fighting, that would be funny. All right. Uh, well, maybe this is something we could pick up on. Maybe Matty Cos will pick up on it and talk about what sport he thinks uh, would be fun to to see people scrap and throw down. <laughs> but that'll do it for us here today. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we're, we'll actually have some Leafs things to talk about. They're back at practice tomorrow. So it'll be a practice tomorrow afternoon that we could probably touch on. Uh, but that does it for us today. If you missed any of the show, you can find it on tsn1050.ca, the Art Radio app, or wherever you get your podcast. Gameplay with Matt Cos coming up next.